Hello, it is Sunday again. My name is Hui Zemang and welcome to my podcast, The Truth About Us, a channel where you will hear about everyday things, discussed in a way that gives you more control in life. Last weekend was the first anniversary of the publication of my book, We Are God, The Power is Within Us. Many people have asked me whether when I named my book, I actually meant to say, We Are God, God with a capital G, instead of We Are Gods with a small g. And what is the difference between the two? Okay, God with a capital G is a title and not a name that we give to the creator of all existence. Whereas God, with a small g, is also a title we give to any being that is created by God with a capital G, and which has some and not all of the powers that God with a capital G has. The difference is between the creator and the created. So, when I say we are God, I mean all of us are the various parts of the being that we regard as God with a capital G. We are the capital G God distributed into the fragments that we know as creation or existence, us and everything in it. We are what the Bible refers to as the kingdom of God, an existence in which everyone and everything is necessary. This is our holiness. We often define holiness as being separate or set apart, which makes us perceive any person we regard as holy to be special in some way. The subject of holiness, which is at the core of all the teachings of Jesus, affirms the interconnectedness of each and everything with everything else in all existence. And for this existence to be complete, everything in it is necessary. In its essence, holiness is about embracing and being all-inclusive and not exclusive or being special. The key quality of all people and things in existence is in their oneness with each other, their sameness, and their equality. In their equality, there is no power that is in one that cannot be found in another. It is for that reason that people, things, places, and rituals could have the same power, whether to harm or heal, regardless of where they are found, or whether we regard them as good or bad. The mind, with all the possibilities in the imagination, is where the power of each one lies. And from this imagination, anyone could create whatever they choose according to whatever purpose they set for it. In other words, each person has all the power they need to sustain themselves. Which means, there is no being in the form of a father who is sitting somewhere on a throne judging over people punishing the bad while rewarding the good. However, any of us is free to create such a scenario into existence if it makes us happy in some way. In fact, all the gods that we ever create for ourselves will always have the qualities that we want them to have. They will take the shape that we want them to take, be in the places where we want them to be, and be as powerful or as weak as we want them to be. In the same way, the being that each of us conceives as God with a capital G, its form and all its qualities and power are all defined by each one of us. It is for that reason that for some people, God is far away in heaven, while for some, God is already within them. For some, God is a man, whereas God is mother nature for others. All these conceptions go as far as our imaginations can. 
The same way that Marvel could create all its superheroes and give Spider-Man all the powers that you believe he has. God is not a man, unless if we want him to be, and does not hate bad people and love good people, unless of course if we want him to be. Because all the things that we perceive as good or bad, all that we love or hate about ourselves and others, are only parts of this God, which we either find familiar and good because we have interacted more with them, or find them strange and bad because we have always kept them at a distance and avoided knowing them better. Good things and bad things are all equally a part of God, and it is us who decide on what is good and what is bad. The same way it could be bad at one time to disregard a law, but later be good to do the same thing when the same law is repealed. In that way, there is nothing that is intrinsically or permanently bad about anything, because good and bad depend on how we interpret our ever-changing situations. That is why good things could equally happen to bad people, while bad things could also equally happen to good people. With regard to the identity of God, the only way we could ever identify God with a capital G, the creator of all existence, would be if we could take everything that exists, both physical and non-physical, people, things, ideas, and places, and bring them all into one mass. But even with that, for as long as there would be someone looking at that oneness from outside of it, that identity would still not be complete until even that one comes into the fold. Once we are all inside, only then would we realize that God cannot be identified or experienced and or even realized from outside of anything or anyone, but from within. Because God is who we are, our beings, and not an aspiration or something that we can hope to have or become. So, with each of us being a fragment of God, we need to know ourselves to be a part of all others. That is the purpose of each one of us, and of each thing within the oneness of existence. Every time we perceive another to be a part of us, we experience a feeling of harmony with them that we call happiness. Whenever we share this harmony with more aspects of our environment, the more we create a wider state of harmony that we call peace. This feeling is our natural state of being, something we do even when we are not aware that we are doing it, and is the purpose of life, all life. Since happiness is our purpose in life, everything we could ever perceive of could be regarded as only a means to realize this happiness. Each thing in life gives us a particular form of happiness, which is derived in a particular way in each situation. We then give that happiness a different name, making it a different type of happiness, while in fact it is just a fragment of the totality of happiness in life. It is like eating a loaf of bread, one slice at a time. Eating each slice as a part of a different recipe, and each time thinking you are eating something different, whereas it is all from the same loaf. For instance, love is the happiness that you derive from relating to someone, while hate is also happiness, but which we derive from distancing ourselves from someone or not relating to them. In between these two extremes, we relate with various things at different degrees such as liking, avoiding, embracing, rejecting, disliking, and so on. So, 
in this kingdom of God, in which our purpose is to find happiness with each other, love helps us to live up to this purpose, while hate serves only to delay or even negate it. When we hate, we avoid, and when we avoid, we distance ourselves, and in that distance, we fail to see the evidence of our oneness with whoever we are distancing ourselves from, delaying our recognition of them. Even though isolation or hate is also a form of happiness, its happiness is limited and unsustainable because whenever we avoid one thing, we also avoid other things that we think are connected to it. And since our reality is connected, we end up avoiding so much more of the things we need for our own sustenance, creating scarcity and unhappiness. On the other hand, love as the happiness that comes with inclusion is sustained by all who are included and becomes more abundant because our inclusivity allows everything to work together to create our happiness. It is because of distance between people that we tend to hear good people call others bad, while at the same time, those who are regarded as bad calling those who call themselves good, bad. It does not have to be that way. It's only with mutual understanding that we can all realize that we are always the same as the people we say we are not. The people and things we call bad are just as godly as all the good ones that we prefer. Only the distance we have allowed to prevail between us and them, both mentally and physically, makes us find that necessary. Mentally, we do not want to begin to understand the various ways in which others are one with us because we fear being one with someone whom we have already condemned in some way. And because we have judged them without knowing them, while we are still at a distance, our fears are then based on our false beliefs of that person. Things that are physically close as well as those ones that we allow ourselves to think about tend to make sense to us as we begin to understand how to be happy with them. Whereas, things that are physically distant as well as those that we are afraid to think about and to understand tend to be unfamiliar and suspicious because we fail to understand how to be happy with them. So, we call the good things godly because they make us happy, because we believe they come from God. And those that make us unhappy, we call them evil because we believe they obstruct our happiness, regarding them to be caused by the devil. From these two extremes, we say God is in heaven and the devil is in hell, whereas in fact, both are only our states of minds rather than physical locations. In fact, they are non-physical places that could be located anywhere we want them to be, in any form that you want them to be in. When we keenly observe the interactions of people with each other and with things in our everyday life, it becomes ever clear how the good and the so-called bad things work together to create the things that we prefer and regard as good, such as how a seed grows well on the soil that has things that we call bad in it, compost, or how circumstances could change in a way that could make the person we used to regard as a stranger and possibly bad become our best friend. Bad things become good once we bring them closer and begin to understand how useful they also are to our happiness. And we see that usefulness because we see our oneness with them. Our oneness is in how we want to be happy and seeing them as also being intent on making us happy. This is a oneness of purpose. So, we could choose to understand something or to continue to remain ignorant of it. And that would then dictate whether we are going to love or hate it.
In that case, anyone who talks to you about God, believe them only if they recognize that you and them are both human and are equal to that God. The moment they talk about God having favorites and them being more favored by that God than you, and that you can find salvation only when you depend on them, that is when they become your master while you become their servant. That is where they begin to make you forget the power you have to create your own reality in pursuit of your own happiness. And they lay you to subscribe to theirs in which your efforts would then be used in pursuit of, the, of their happiness and not your own. Anyone who says they have a better access to God than you, just know they are there to turn you into a slave. They will tell you that God is in fact the one who declared your inferiority to them, without telling you that the God they are talking of is the one they created themselves. They would hide this fact because they know that if you were to know it, you would rebel seeing them, humans as you are, giving themselves the right to define their own God while denying you the same right. The moment they tell you that, just know they are creating God in their own likeness and they want to use that God to enslave you. In that case, assume the same right to create God in your own likeness and take more responsibility for your happiness. The next time you take your Bible and go to church, please ask yourself, why am I supposed to go there if God is spirit and is supposed to be everywhere, including where I am? Are you going to church so your pastor could help you gain some knowledge that you do not have? Maybe access to God's mercy so that God can start helping you. While on that, just ask yourself, how did your pastor gain the knowledge they seek to share with you? How did they get to be the man or woman of God the way they are? Do they also regard you as a man or woman of God? Why not? Did they assume those names because they were chosen by God and given some special powers? Which God? Is it possible that everything they know and that they want to share with you comes from the fact that they spent more time reading and understanding the Bible or the scriptures by themselves? In that case, why don't they just give you a Bible to go read at home, just like they did, so you could also have a personal relationship with God, understand God for yourself? Or are you going to church for fellowship? But isn't that what you do every day whenever you are with your family, with your friends or colleagues at work? If you are going to church to give to the poor, then don't you think the poor people you pass by the road on your way to church are just as needy? In the end, it all depends personally on you as a believer whether you think it's more important for you to have a direct relationship with God or to have a relationship with God through another person. However, just know that the more direct your relationship with God is, the more power you gain over your own life because in that case, your communication with God becomes direct and instant, needing no interpretation. And that is how your relationship with God becomes personal. If you can understand the last two paragraphs above, you can forget about everything you have ever heard me say. Because you would have captured everything I have ever wanted to say to anyone, ever since I regarded myself as a reminder. As a Christian, or a believer in any religion. The only help you will ever need in your quest to know God is just to be reminded that God is already within you.
And all you need to do is to start looking for the evidence that affirms the being of God within you. How do you do that? Firstly, acknowledge the fact that there is no better person to resolve any problem than the one who understands it better. Secondly, accept that no one knows the problems in your life better than you because you are the closest person to them, both mentally and physically. Only you would know what your problem is, where it started, how it developed to be where it is, how it feels or affects you, and most especially, how much you want to resolve it more than anyone else. Thirdly, know that you are equally a part of God as everybody else, and there is no one who is closer to God than you, the same way that your ears are not closer to you than any other part of your body. Lastly, trust yourself, your mind and body to be sufficiently equipped to formulate the solutions you require. The God within you answers you through the things you already have. Your awareness, your imagination, thoughts, memories, decisions and choices that you make, your body, the people and things around you. The more you see evidence of how you are already provided for to resolve your own problems, the more you develop confidence in yourself, which is how you begin to restore happiness in your life. The happiness is not based on having resolved all your problems, but on knowing that even those that are not yet resolved, you already have the ability to resolve them. To know that the being of God is within you is to cut both the time and distance between your prayers and their answers. Because when you know that God will answer you through the things you already have, the answers become as instant as the availability of those things. Whereas if you think the being of God is more in others than in you, then you would find it necessary to wait for these answers to come from elsewhere. To wait for them as they come from other people or, or as far away as you imagine God to be. To embrace God within you is to understand that who you are as a person is just the being of God living in the circumstances in which you find yourself. And to know that this being would often reflect itself the same way it is reflected through the lives of other people, while at other times it will reflect itself in very unique ways that you have not seen reflected elsewhere. This uniqueness is not your uniqueness as a being, but a feeling based on the fact that you know no one else who has ever gone through the experiences you are going through. And instead of learning from anyone how to embrace God, you are going to pioneer the embodiment of God within you by trusting yourself with how the being of God is expressing itself through you and let it guide you on how to be a person. The more we learn and depend on other people, the more we live in their shadows and the longer we delay living our own lives as well as our happiness. This is what happens with regular church services where we learn things and then relearn them while our lives outside of church continue to be troubled. When Jesus said, you will learn the truth and the truth shall set you free, he was referring to the need to be set free from the enslavement of us by other people. And that truth is the fact that there is nothing that is happening to other people that is not already happening within you. And if you want to know the cause of all the problems in your life, always look within you. And if you want to know the solutions to the problems in your life, continue to search from within. 
because everything that is happening in your life is caused and experienced by you. Our power comes when we realize how we are causing our experiences and that comes by looking within. This is because when you go to someone's church, we go there to learn about their God, the manifestation of God in that person, while our own God is waiting to be understood, known and realized. It is only when we understand who God is being within us that we can know how to be in harmony with our everyday circumstances. I will end here for today. Please like and subscribe and send me any comments you may have regarding anything that you've heard on this podcast or that you read on my website and my blog. For copies of my book, We Are God, The Power Is Within Us, please go to my website, oneppp.xyz, that is O-N-E-P-P-P dot X-Y-Z or find it on Amazon. With that, I thank you. Until next Sunday, have yourself a great week. Goodbye.